Welcome back, everybody. This is a new episode of Hot Takes and Protein Shakes with Tony Capobianco. Want well, to thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I have another fantastic interview for you. Before we get into that, I want to send a very beautiful thanks to the good people at Fort Campbell Military Base. Uh, we did a show up there this past Saturday, and wow, that that was such a good time. I mean, I haven't done Army Base in such a long time, and uh, yeah, these people, they, they lived up to the hype, and I am so happy I was able to do it again. So thank you guys once again. Hopefully, knock on wood, we can make, we can do it again. And also special shout-out to the people in downtown Nashville and um, and Athens Ale House. So three headlining sets for me. I mean, not to brag or anything, but I am very proud of myself. And if anything, I that was way overdue, man. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've been allocating so much material over the years and being having nowhere to put it and be able to go the distance for that long. I, I think the longest set I did was like 40 minutes. So very proud of myself for that. Thank you for everybody who came out. Thank you for everybody who showed up, bought tickets, had a great time. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Now, gotta do an extra, a few extra house cleaning rules. Um, I have a few more dates coming up pretty soon. Uh, once again, if you're around the Nashville area, September 28th is our monthly show at Up Down. So we have a fantastic showcase of comics coming through there, as well as a few special guests. And also on the 29th, I will be at the Hermitage Holistic Connection. Yeah, a little. Last minute uh, edition there, and that's going to be another good time. Nice, cool, chill show, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, coming up in October, you can find me on the 14th on the Deliciously Nothing podcast. That is a live stream on YouTube. We are having our final up-down show on October 19th, so that will be our last one of the year before we close down for the winter. And then, let's see, on the 29th, is going to be Undead Fest. That's going to be their comedy, rock, and metal festival. So very excited about that. Also, also, just because summer is nearing its end doesn't mean that you get to mail it in at the gym, people. So once again, Redcon 1, check them out. America's favorite supplement brand. They got everything you could possibly need from pre-workouts, proteins, fat burners, muscle builders, recovery, wellness, gear, they got it all, and I've told you many, many times that if you ever need a good night's sleep, definitely check out their Fade Out. And that's right, Fade Out is their sleep formula. They come in both powder and gummy form, and if you like me, you come to understand how underrated a good night's sleep is. So I just pop in a couple of those with the gummies, and I am out and I wake up the next day all nice and refreshed. So definitely check out the sleep formula. Also, uh, I am very proud to say is I am all stocked up on ISO, isolate protein, baby. Oh, man, I got like, uh, if you saw what I have, you th might think I have a problem. But I am all stocked up on isotope. It is one of their best proteins and muscle builders. And I've been using it ever since I first enlisted with Redcon back in March of this year. So... Cannot say enough of just how much that that just kicks ass all over the place. I got chocolate. 
I got chocolate and peanut butter. Yes, that's right. So if you want to get a special discount off all Redcon 1 gear, use the promo code T20TonyTellJokes. That's right. You can find that in the description of this podcast. It is T20TonyTellJokes. Now, without further ado, let's move on to today's episode. Today's episode stars Ashley Vargas. Now, Ashley Vargas is a powerlifter, a strength trainer, and a personal trainer. And if you're you're not familiar with the powerlifting world, ooh, you are in for a treat. Because I'm not that very well, I wasn't very well in tuned with powerlifting. Obviously, I am more on the bodybuilding side. I just knew there was a lot of crossover. And Ashley helps me understand the attractiveness and lure of the powerlifting world. We talk about uh, what got her into it, what drives other people in the powerlifting world to keep going out there, kicking ass, putting more weight on that bar, and pushing themselves. And most of all, something everybody struggles with, confidence. Yes, Ashley describes how she instills confidence into her clients in a very realistic way and in a way that actually benefits them in the long run, not some sugar-coated instant Instagram sort of post. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Hello, Ashley. Thank you for, thank you for me. coming. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna start this uh, this podcast off with something I don't normally do. I want to issue an apology because when we first met over at uh, at the gym, we were introduced by Yasser, and uh, he says that you are more on the powerlifting side. And I said, I bet you can deadlift more than me. <laughs> and you, well, you 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 laughed about it, but I can't help but think. In your mind, you're like, buddy, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> no, that, I wasn't thinking that at all. <laughs> I was like, it's like, your PR is my warm up. <laughs> <laughs> I never judge anybody about how much they can or can't pick up. Uh, well, 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 that's good. Well, because you're a coach, you're a trainer, you you uh, build people up from ground zero. So so let's let's get into that real quick. So how long have you been coaching? Um, I have been coaching powerlifting specific for six years, but I have been a coach for almost ten now. Oh, fantastic! Mm-hmm. So what may so what were you uh, teaching from before? Um, so I was just coaching general population. Okay. Um, when I got started in the fitness industry, it was part time, um, just something that I really enjoyed, um, and I started as a cycle instructor actually. Really. Mm-hmm. And I still teach cycle to this day. Oh, so so you're in like that giant techno room with the bouncing music and yep. the neon lights. You know, it's <laughs> just, like it's just a dance party on a bike. So yeah, I, I've I've only done that once. It's like cardio on Molly. You it know? is. And, you know, it's so funny. Like there was a point within my career when I was teaching group fitness full time, where I would teach at least five or six cycle classes a day. And people were just like, how in the hell do you do that? And it's gotten to a point where cycle is not even challenging for me anymore. Real, It's mm-hmm. at that level. Yep. It's just, eh. Now, if I take my cardio into, you know, other forms, obviously, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. But with cycle in general, my body's just so accustomed to it now that it my heart rate doesn't get up. I can still talk just as clearly as I'm talking right now. Um, so it's just, I've just become so used to it. Wow, to have like your stamina just at that base to just be comfortable going just haul assing and just breathing normally. So I'm not going to lie, when we teach classes, the instructor is not riding nearly as hard as they're instructing everyone else to do. So, um, but I mean, still, you know, teaching six classes at a time, that's a lot of time on a bike. 
I would think, yeah, you don't want to burn yourself out in front of everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah, especially, yeah, you say you got to do six in one day. I don't do that anymore, but there well, was a time in my career where I was teaching five or six classes a day. Okay. All right, so you started off in the cycling world, and then what, uh, what uh, prompted next? So I started teaching cycle, and at the time I was working in the cosmetic industry full-time. Um, and then when I moved to Nashville from San Francisco about six, seven years ago, I decided to take my fitness career full-time. Oh, wow. So then I, I transitioned. I started just training general population, and then I decided that I really wanted to hone in on what my true passion was, which is powerlifting. Um, and so then I, I transitioned into just being a specialty coach. Nice. Now, now I've wa- well, we've had a bunch of powerlifting events over at the Redcon One Gym. They have I barely ever go over there. I, like you know, I'm you know, much like a lot of people, I'm on the bodybuilding side mm-hmm. of things. However, there is a lot of crossover between the two. Um, I wanted to ask you this. This happens to me a lot, but since you're on the powerlifting side, how often do people ask you to help them move? <laughs> Quite frequently, actually. Yes. <laughs> um, so this year alone, I've, I've had a bunch of friends that are moving, and I've helped like two or three people this year move. And I'm like, you guys know that there's professional movers, right? Yes. You don't have to do this stuff yourself. I will I will never move myself again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because always like, oh, this is a workout for you. You must love this. I'm like, not really. Yeah, no, not at all. No. <laughs> because let me tell you, trying to, well, I actually just helped one of my friends move maybe three weeks ago, and he has one of those big Tempur-Pedic beds. Those things are so incredibly heavy, like insanely heavy, and there's nothing to grab onto, and the weight really wasn't the issue. It was just how awkward it is to carry that weight. Yeah, I mean, on top of all that, you're also working with somebody else. You're also dealing with narrow hallways and stairs. You don't get any chalk. So. <laughs> exactly. And that in your point, like, was, let me guess, it was on, like, the third floor? No, he actually had a house that was, the bedroom was upstairs, so we had to move the mattress downstairs. And then, of course, his entryway is, you know, super small, and it has this big wall, and the door doesn't open all the way. So there was a bunch of obstacles getting out, but the place that he was moving into, it was ground floor, straight shot to the bedroom. Oh. So that was much easier. Oh, what a relief. The in was better than the out, for sure. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, people... Yeah, usually when you're on the fitness side of things, they, you know, look to you for reasons like that because where else are you be able to use that in just regular day life? Exactly. Although, I don't know if you saw this, there was a news story about um this guy, he was uh there was like a car accident, he was stuck under a car and this powerlifter who happened to be nearby, he's like this is my time to shine. He actually helped lift the car wow. off the guy. Wow. I did not read about that. Ah. Uh, yeah, I always wonder, like, you know, what would happen if, like, you know, if a, something like that were to happen? I don't know. Maybe it's like in these days where how often are you allowed to be that physical just out and about in, you know, in regular day life? Right. You're really not. Anyway, uh, back to the powerlifting mm-hmm. side and the like, there is a lot of crossover between both powerlifting and the bodybuilding side. So with bodybuilders, I've noticed that a lot of them, they aim more for physique. Mm-hmm. Like they want their body to look a certain way. Whereas powerlifting seems it's more built on building up your strength. Correct. Like how you look in is... The, in the truest form of both sports, yes. Yes. I guess more on the visual side, it's not really that much of a concern. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So with... And that's one of the things that were that was so appealing about powerlifting. Like it is not based on how you look um, and it's not a subjective sport whatsoever. You can either move the weight or you can't. 
and the singlets that powerlifters have to wear, like nobody really looks good in those anyway. <laughs> so um, from the aesthetic side, it definitely like evens out the playing field, I guess. But um, that's what really drew me to it. It's like it's really a, a sport of true capability and has nothing to do with your appearance whatsoever. That's good. Yeah, because I've noticed like sometimes uh, I know, especially with a lot, a lot of women that like they kind of veer away from the weight room because in their heads, they think if they're going to do a set of curls, they're just going to go completely Hulkamania. Yes, that's a very common misconception that like anything more than a 10 pound dumbbell is going to make you bulky. And it takes so much more than that. Yeah, that does. I mean, I because, you know, I see like, you know, like. 17 year old kids just like you know you know hauling ass trying to like build up with like the 65 pound weights i'm like dude that is not how it's done right Mm -mm. but uh now do you end up training like a lot of men and women or which uh which do you feel like you end up training so the bulk of my client base is men actually um and i I love training men like i really enjoy it um and it's so funny because a lot of my male clients are competitive athletes and so when I'm going to powerlifting meets, it's very uncommon to see female powerlifting coaches. And the ones that you do see are typically coaching females. And so it's so interesting that when I go to the competitions with my clients, and of course they get first place, not to toot my own horn, but they do. <laughs> um, like everyone, they, like their eyes are just on me. Like whether we're in the warm up room, when my client is on the platform, um, like it, it's just people are in an, an amazement that this female is coaching this man who's taking first place. And like, I don't understand why that's so surprising to people. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if the knowledge is there, I mean, the work speaks for itself. Exactly. And I think what a lot of people confuse is like what I'm physically capable of lifting compared to what my trained male clients are physically capable of lifting. Mm -hmm. And I can't squat 700 pounds yet, but I have clients that can, but coaching someone to take a 700 pound squat to a 720 pound squat is exactly the same from going 400 to 420. Like there's no difference between the two. Wow. So it really doesn't matter how much is actually being lifted. The process to get from A to B is exactly the same. The fact that you said you haven't squatted 700 pounds yet, <laughs> it, it to me is terrifying. Well, uh, I probably have to, um, you know, take a couple things and probably lift equipped, but who knows? Now, what does that mean, lift equipped? Um, so there's different divisions within powerlifting. So you can lift equipped with a full squat suit, um, which will significantly increase the amount of weight that you're able to squat. Um, or there's raw where you just lift with knee sleeves and a belt. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now what about uh, without any of that, with no any kind of assistance? Are you asking me what my squat is? Yeah. Uh, my one rep is 385. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did that. How long ago is that now? Maybe a little less than a year ago, it was at a meet, um, and I was 158 at the time. Okay. Yeah. Now, actually, another thing I noticed at the most recent um, powerlifting event they had was um, uh, a lot of the people, when they're doing the squat or any any of the events, the squat, the bench, whatever, they kind of like disappear into their own minds. Oh, yeah. You know? Like they tried. To, I don't know what it is. I mean, I do it, you know, with uh, with my regular training too. Where especially when it comes to those last three reps, mm-hmm. like you just kind of disappear into your own mind. And I'm like, where do they go? You know, it's so funny. So every lifter is a little bit different, and they approach the platform differently. Um, especially when you watch, like at the pro level meets, you have some athletes that just completely zone everything out, and then you have some athletes that walk onto the platform hyping up the crowd because they need that energy. And you know, one's not right, one's not wrong. It's just whatever works best for you. Personally, when I walk onto the platform, my face is so serious. 
I'm so focused. I don't hear the crowd. I don't hear my friends yelling. I don't hear my coach yelling. It, it's literally, I hear nothing other than the head ref, which is the only person in that moment that I need to hear. Oh, wow. So you just kind of like, just it's almost like you have blinders like on. Just and like just tunnel vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, because I've noticed that some people, they just come laser focused. Other, they just want to go full Super Saiyan. Yep. Just be all loud. And like, no, some people need that energy. Exactly. Everyone's different. Yeah. I don't think I'd be able to... Uh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not usually that kind of guy who's like, yeah, I love it. yeah, go me. You know, I'm not, like, even when I go to do stand-up, I'm not like, yeah, go me. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, here I go. Yep. And then it's just all about me. Like, I had to do three shows in the last three days, and, you know, I'm trying to, like, you know, blind all that stuff out. Every distraction, it's all about just this moment. And nothing else can, like, distract you. Like, like, I don't know, if, say, like, you're doing a squat and... I don't know, somebody kind of says something, some sort of comment, tries to psych you out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, has that ever happened? Um, honestly, if they have, I wasn't paying attention to oh, it. Oh, good. Like, I just get so laser. I don't even, I don't see anybody. I don't hear anything. I'm just, me. it's me and the head judge, and that's it. That's it. Yep. Now, has there ever been a moment, well, uh, where, say, you're trying to, like, you know, get the weight up, and your body is telling you, go, 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 and your body is like, I don't know about this. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Um, people think that, you know, professional athletes and, you know, these elite level athletes never fail in anything. We fail squats all the time. Like we fail deadlifts all the time. There's been many times where I haven't been able to complete a rep. Um, and sometimes it happens on the platform. Sometimes it happens in training, but it's very common. Um, and sometimes it happens with weight that you've moved before. Mm. Right. Because in, in a powerlifting meet, right, throughout your training and the prep leading up to the meet, you try and create the exact same environment that your body is going to have to perform in. And I am huge on practice how you play. So I try and utilize the bar that I know I'm going to have to use at the meet. I try and use regulation benches. And a lot of like strength based gyms have regulation equipment. But if you're going to like, you know, just big box, oh, excuse me, big box gyms or commercial gyms, a lot of them don't don't have that. So if you are like serious into powerlifting, I'd highly suggest like switching over to a strength based gym so you can practice how you play. Um, but with that said, like there's so many other variables that you may not be able to take in, con- take into consideration or foresee. And so you have to control what you can control and just like plan for what you can't, I guess. Um, but some of those variables that you can't control, you know, could be like, there was a meet that I did. Well, one of my clients did over the summer and it was in a warehouse that had no air conditioning and it was in the middle of the hot as hell. Oh yeah. You know? And like, obviously you don't train like that. Right. And you know, there were some hiccups in performance and we can cut, honestly couldn't see that across everyone that was lifting that day, not just my client, but everyone had some issues. Um, you know, but you wouldn't know that that was going to be an issue until you got there, you know, so that's going to impact how you lift. And there, there's other things like that as well. Yeah. And like, you don't want to walk into a, to a meet unprepared either. Exactly. Because like, say you're using a different kind of equipment versus what you're using, what you're going to be using during the meet. Well, you've seen what happens when you walk in unprepared, either a, they'll get lucky and pull it off mm-hmm. or B, uh, they will fall flat on their face. Exactly. It's mm. one or the other. And you, you can definitely tell, who has prepared properly and who has had the proper coaching and guidance and who hasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see who's been just being kind of lackadaisical mm-hmm. with it and just what's the word, I guess when their confidence kind of overrides their actual ability, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something I want to talk about with you is that you, you're very good at um, instilling and encouraging confidence in a very realistic way. 
versus some sort of flowery Instagram pose, like believe in your dreams or yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny with, with social media, especially in the fitness industry, people just show the highlights. They show the best parts and they honestly create a unattainable image, right? I mean, there's, you know, Photoshopping and posing and, you know, all these other things, right? That just create an image that most people are not going to be able to obtain. However, that is what gets instilled in us that that's what fitness is. And I think that fitness looks different on everyone. It's true. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't need a six pack. I really don't care. Like my core is super strong. I don't have a six pack. I'm okay with that. Like mm. it allows me to do what I need to do. You know, whereas for somebody else, a six pack to them is fitness and that's totally okay. Um, but I think that you really need to take social media with a grain of salt and know that it's really people's highlight highlight reels. And I think in the fitness industry, and when people are looking for coaches, like social media is usually the first first place that people are going to go, right? And it is very rare, and if you look at my Instagram page, it's very rare that you see any of my own like personal successes on there. I, I, I don't post it. And like people really don't care what I've personally done. People care what I can do for them. Right. And, and the best way to show that is to highlight the clients that I've helped. Yeah, that's actually there's also something I've been noticing a lot is people posting their failures or their bombs mm -hmm. because just to shed more light on reality versus oh, yeah. what we're used to seeing on social media. Like sometimes if you're on like either like in the fitness realm of Instagram, you see somebody like, you know, with like, you know, perfect, you know, physique, abs, huge arms great ass but then you don't see them at like you know three o'clock in the afternoon where they're all bloating just like oh, yeah. slubbed out on the couch exactly yeah it's, it's they don't look like that all the time no they just happen to look like that in that one particular moment exactly like that's like with my world um you'll be seeing like a clip of dave Chappelle like crushing it on tv but what you don't see are like the 90 other times where you tried that same joke and ate it mm -hmm. so yeah, there, there is a, a hidden uh, sense of reality when it comes to, like, social media. And for a lot of people, it can be uh, kind of damaging. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I like how you instill confidence in a realistic way, telling the, telling a lot of your clients, you're going to flat, you're going to fall on your face. Yep. Yeah. It happens more often than not. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, really what you have to do is, you know, when if you do fail a squat, figure out what went wrong. Why did you fail it? Um, you know, were you lacking power out of the hole did you was your setup incorrect like what what exactly was it that made you fail that squat analyze that figure it out correct it and then do it better next time right yeah so you just kind of just just replay it kind of like how tom brady looks at film exactly yeah like do you, do you record your sets i do i record a lot of mine um and it, it's not for social media again if you look at my page it's really it's not there it's really for me to analyze my own lifts so one particular, like, say you're doing a squat, one particular are you looking for to make sure, hey, I want to make sure I nail it next time? So for me, um, about two years ago, I had a pretty bad hip injury, and that took me out of squatting for about six months. Um, of course, I was very stubborn and didn't want to take time off, so I was trying to push through it, um, which I don't recommend doing. <laughs> um, but, like, the, the process to get back to like having a weighted bar on my back was slow and frustrating, but it, that injury also came with a couple other issues, right? So 
my mobility obviously was limited. I had mobility limitations on that particular side. It affected my lower back. It affected actually the way that I stand. And what I noticed is my injured side would always be behind my good side. And that would affect the way that I descend into a squat. Interesting. But I, I couldn't feel that. I could only see it in the recording. And so that would completely like rotate my body in the squat, which obviously is going to throw things off. Ah. Um, so that's something that I really had to work to correct. Ah, so if you didn't record it, you never would have known that you're just the positioning of your mm -hmm. feet would have just set off your entire posture. Yep. Wow. Yep. So it's a lot of little details like that that I look for, not just in my own lifts, but in my clients' lifts as well. Um, and I really focus on those little tiny things because those little things make a huge difference in the way that you execute these movements, especially when you're getting up into those those higher higher poundages. Right. Very true. Yeah. Now, what, how are you, how are you on the describe how it is on the nutrition side? Because I'm in the middle of a cut right now. Mm -hmm. Now, on the powerlifting side, I imagine it'd be a little vastly different. It is. So the nutrition is focused more on performance than aesthetics. However, you still want to, the types of foods that you eat aren't going to be all that far off from what like a bodybuilder would eat, right? Really good quality carb sources, really good quality protein sources. You're just going to, you definitely need to eat significantly more carbs for a strength-based sport than you would power, or for bodybuilding or any type eat, of aesthetic you sport. You get to have carbs. I get to eat a lot of food and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like, you have carbs. What's it like? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> No, for carbs you get like 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 rice, um, sweet potatoes, whole grain bread, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Bananas. Yep. yep. There's some, um, you know, I'll eat cereal every now and then, oatmeal. Um, if I'm going through like more of a bulking or a building phase, like I'll throw some pop tarts in there or something with a little bit more sugar. I, I know, right? Brown sugar and cinnamon is the only one, uh, only way to go. Uh, <laughs> now, do you use do you eat them to toasted or fresh out of the bag? Oh, either way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I like I'll just skip the millman, just go right for it. Yeah. Although God knows how long I've had popped. Is that is that your go to for cheat? Uh, no, it's not my go to. Um, but usually when I'm bulking, it's a really good pre workout. Nice. So what is your cheat of choice? Oh, it's it's very. De it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. I will. Um, actually, I had a cheat meal last night. Went for pizza last night. Very good. Uh, it was delicious. Um, sometimes I crave like you know Vietnamese food, something with like high sodium. Um, I'm very much a salt over sugar person, so I'll tend to go for more salty things than anything else. Hey, well, you're in the right. I mean, here in Nashville, I mean, you can easily get a freshman 15, no oh, problem one, here. Yeah, easy. Yeah, with all the barbecue, the hot chicken. I'm not a fried chicken person though. Like, no? I'm not a huge fan of southern food. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not, well, hot chicken is fine, but I wouldn't really have it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas barbecue, that is something completely different. Uh, well, I completely agree with you. Oh, yes. I will yeah. tear up some barbecue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially like some of the places more in town, mm -hmm. although some of the other places more like on the outskirts, that's where you find the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I remember, what was it? I think it's Mike's Barbecue, which is not too far from here. The one with like the line out the door. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yep. They're yeah. usually worth the wait. Yeah, as soon as you finish whatever platter, it's like, I want to go home and take a nap. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Did you get it like, from like a chain or was it like from a, like a little like little mom and pop place? It was a little place? mom and pop place. Was it like, in, like an actual Italian place or was it? Mm, I, I wouldn't call it an actual Italian place, but okay. it, it was good. It wasn't like, you know. Uh, Papa John's or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because usually with the chain places, I mean, like, it's something you know, like, a college kid would have. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know, because I'm Italian, I kind of, like, you know, kind of lean towards that, you sure. know, homemade kind of style. 
And now your last name is Vargas. That is Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. And are you 100% Spanish or? I am 0% Spanish. Zero. Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so, what, so what would you say you're, what you're made up of? Um, so I am French, Native American, and then kind of a blend of European. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're just a little bit of everything? Yeah. All right, because when I heard Vargas, I'm like, oh, my God, you're deaf like Mexican. Because, oh, <laughs> like, being able to, you know, like that kind of ethnic food, like, oh, I love Mexican, by the way. Oh, absolutely. And, like, you know. Mexican if, food here is not that great, though. Eh, yeah. I mean, there are a few pockets, but, I mean, I figured if you've ever been to Texas, Tex-Mex, oh, my God. Oh, oh. Nothing beats San Diego Mexican food. San though. Diego, mm-hmm. yeah, I heard it's it's very, a lot more prevalent out there in Cali. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now now you're just giving, giving me ideas. <laughs> yeah, because I just had my cheat. I had a crumble cookie. Oh, those are so good. Oh, oh so my good. god. Oh yeah, I had that a couple of days ago, and now I got now I got wait. Like it's weird how like time just slows down whenever when regards to cheat meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now I'm like, do I want to do that again, or what should I have next? But anyway, so back to we kind of drifted off for a while, but back to uh, the confidence side, like um, like a lot of it, I would imagine, comes from a personal experience mm-hmm. because some people they want to feel confident like right now, right? Whereas in reality, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Like like how do you usually build confidence within your clients, like from like ground zero? Like say, hey, what are your goals? Like I want to compete one day. So how would you like instill confidence in them to make it to their first competition? You know, a lot of what holds people back from doing their first powerlifting meet is this thought that they're not strong enough. Mm. And, you know, strength is all relative, right? And you're never going to be the strongest person. And really the goal of your first powerlifting meet is just to gain the experience, see what it's like, and see if you want to continue doing it. Like your, your goal of your first meet typically isn't to win. Right. It's just to gain the experience, learn the lessons, because there's a lot of lessons that you learn at your first powerlifting meet. And I can get into that a little bit later. But there's this thought that I have to be as strong as the powerlifters that I follow on social media. Right. And it's like, well, you can't compare yourself to someone who has been doing this for a very long time. Mm. Right. To someone who's been training for years, who, you know, may have, you know, assistance, if you know what I mean. Um, in their lifts, right? <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's not an apples to apples comparison. And what I really love about the sport, aside from not having to look pretty doing it, is it's really just competing against yourself, right? Yes. So, you know, especially with like a lot of my female clients that can, that struggle a little bit more with confidence issues than, than men do typically, um, you know, it's really going in there and proving to yourself that you're capable of doing this. Like if you open up the meat, who cares? Your first one, you might open it up. Your second one, you might be the last one in the flight. Right. And the it, for people who are unfamiliar as to what I mean by that, they start with the lightest lifter first, the person who's lifting the less weight. So if you are opening the, the meat, you are lifting the least amount of weight of everyone there. So, um, which that's a perfectly fine place to be. Um, but, you know, you might start there, but one day you're going to end up in the middle. Next time you're going to end up at the end. Um, so it's... It's really taking yourself out of like the whole comparison, like downward spiral that people tend to go into. And I'm guilty of that too. Like I'll, I'll occasionally compare myself, but then I think I'm like, well, maybe someone's comparing themselves to me. Yeah. You, you know, know and, like you a lot of people don't about think that. about that. Yeah. No, that's true. Like uh, that, that'd be like, you know, on my end in the standup world, like say you go to a comedy show and instead like you want to be somewhere in the middle, but nope, you're going 
first. Mm -hmm. So that means you got to break in the crowd, get them warmed up. You don't know whether your jokes, which ones are going to do good, which ones are going to suck. If you're going to suck at all, if you're going to do great. But yeah. either way, like I look at it as, you know, it's my chance to set the bar, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Because, like, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm going first, like, you know, this is my chance to, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, set the standards, set the bar, because anybody else after me has to either meet that or exceed that. Exactly. And I figured, you know, it applies the same way. Absolutely. Um, I did a lifting seminar a couple months ago, and there was a woman who um, she joined. I, I didn't know who she was, but I was really excited to have her there. And when I got to know her during the seminar, she had just started lifting like maybe six months prior to her attending this. Um, she was interested in getting into the sport of powerlifting. She'd been training like a powerlifter, um, self-taught. And when we got into the actual hands-on lifting portion, like she completely exceeded my expectations of her capability, not just in the amount that she was able to lift, but how she actually moved the weight, which to me is much more impressive. Like if you can move that weight well, like that impresses me more than someone like half-assing heavy weight, right. you know? Um, and so I was really impressed with her skills. And a couple days after the um, seminar, she texted me and she was like, you inspired me to register for my first meet. Oh, wow. And she's doing it in November in Clarksville, Tennessee. And I'm actually going to be handling her at that meet, which I'm really excited about. Um, but, like, her whole thing was, I just don't feel like I'm strong enough. And I'm like, well, who's telling you that? Nobody but you. So she's going in there just to, again, gain the experience from her first meet, maybe hit some PRs, and then really set, like, what her long-term goals are within the sport after that. Nice. Now, now, when you say you're going to be handling her, what does that mean? Are you going to be the person who, like, slaps the chalk on her back or <laughs> yes. starts yelling at her and all that? So, handlers are very, very important. And it, it does not matter if it is your first meet or if you are a pro athlete. Like, you need to have a handler with you. So, powerlifting meets run very, very quickly. Um, you have one minute to do your lift, and that's it. Um, and the way that they're designed, they have what, what are called flights, where everyone is grouped together by not necessarily weight class, but weight lifted, right? And then, like I said before, they start with the lightest and then go to the heaviest. That way they never have to take weight off the bar. They're just continuously adding on. So it's just more efficient to do it that way. Um, but with your attempts, you get three attempts for each lift. So three for your squat, three for your bench, three for your deadlift. Now, you should have your attempts planned in advance, right, just so you have a game plan. However, depending on what your goal is for the meet, your attempts very well may get adjusted in the moment. However, as soon as you're done lifting, you only have 60 seconds to calculate where you're at in your weight class, figure out what your competitors are lifting, who's behind you, who's ahead of you, who may catch up to you, figure out what you need to lift, and then give that number to the scorekeepers. You only have 60 seconds to do that right after you get off the platform. That's Which is... A lot to figure out in a very short amount of time after you just did a really freaking heavy squat. I was going to say, that'd be like doing like those interviews that like NBA does as soon as they're done playing the game. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you got to like, you know, do a lot of calculations yep. and critical thinking after doing a gigantic physical feat. Exactly. So not only that, but I'm assuming they also run it by you as well, right? So I do all of that for them. Oh, So okay. I do all the thinking. Um, and then, you know, also for the warm-ups, like... I figure out what their warm-ups are going to be. I just load their bar for them. They just need to do what I tell them to. I keep track of where they are in their flight because it's not always the same for your first and second attempt. Um, so I keep track. I do all the thinking for them. They just need to go up on the platform and move the bar. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because that, that'd be like 
that almost sounds like they're asking a lot. <laughs> and that's why I say like there's so much that it, that happens at a powerlifting meet that you don't necessarily know unless you're in it. Yeah, because the last thing you want is while you're you know doing doing the lift is to be in your own head. Absolutely. Because you know, because like while you're trying like you know coming off a squat, you want to be thinking, all right, after I bring this up, I want to be at like you know at this much weight, and I want to be in this this class so i'm going up against this person mm -hmm. so i can rub this in their face and so on <laughs> so forth yeah so they just just you know remove all that so that that's good to hear yeah. and you know it's funny since i've gotten into like this niche coaching there are so many powerlifting coaches that don't offer that service hmm. which i i don't understand why they're not doing that so with my coaching program if they do like go with the powerlifting meat prep that handling service as long as it's in the united states is part of the package like i will be there um and it doesn't matter where in the u.s it is like I, I travel for this so um i there's so much value in that and it's something that a lot of people unfortunately don't think about until it co comes back to bite them in the nice. butt nice that's yeah. cool so going back to what you said earlier about like lessons you've learned at these meets like what's like something you wish you could tell Ashley from 10 years ago about these meets that you know now. Read the handbook of the Federation you're lifting with. Really? Mm -hmm. So I imagine there are a lot of like rules in there yes. you have to follow. Yes. So this, and this is a mistake that a lot of new lifters make and sometimes even like more advanced lifters will make these mistakes too. Um, but a lot of new lifters don't understand that there are commands that come with the lifts. So you have to lift on command. Um, for example, bench is one that tends to get screwed up a lot. Hmm. Um, it's the most technical lift. There's the most rules associated with it, and there's the most commands associated with it. Um, so there's three commands. There's a start, a press, and a rack command. So when the bar comes off the rack, you have to hold it there until the bar is motionless and you look ready to lift, and that's determined by the head judge. So if you are sitting there like fidgeting and taking forever to set up, that's a lot of wasted energy just holding that weight up there, not doing anything with it, right? And then you're going to get the start command. Then you can just send the bar to the chest. You have to wait until you get the press command to actually press the bar up. And again, that's very dependent on the lifter, right? They have to wait until the bar is motion motionless on the chest before they get the press command. But if you don't know that there's a press command and you've only been training touch and go, whatever you have on the bar is going to be significantly heavier pause than it is touch and go. Huh. And so a lot of new lifters will fail their bench attempts because they didn't realize that there was a hold. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they can really shoot themselves in the foot mm -hmm. if they don't read the book? Absolutely. Wow. And each federation is different. So that's one of the reasons why you probably won't ever see powerlifting on ESPN because all of the federations can't agree on what the rules actually are. So I, so how many federations are there? Oh, there's several. Um, I mean, you have the big ones. You have... USAPL, USPA, IPF, WRPF, um, and the, um, I'm like on the last one, AFP, I think that's the, the name, AFP. Um, but there's also like a little, like smaller ones too. Um, but there's just different nuances for all of them. And they all have their own, I mean, I imagine they're, I'd say about maybe 90% the same. It's just that each Correct. one have their own little rules. Yeah. Like, all right, this is allowed, this isn't allowed. Correct. Whereas with this one, this is allowed, so on and so forth. Well, yeah, I think the only closest thing I'm, we might see in regards to that is maybe like those strongman competitions, maybe. Mm -hmm. That or um, Olympic lifting. Right, that yeah. too, that too. 
and also the the Olympia, which is which is uh, happening later at the, this year in December. Correct. And you told me earlier you're actually going to. That. I am. Yes, I'm very excited. My first yes. time going. Oh, it's your first time. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, I've never I've never actually seen any sort of competition like that. So I imagine. I mean, if it's the Olympia, I mean, it's you know, might as well go to like you know the cherry on top. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, any any particular event you're looking forward to seeing there? You know, I am actually very interested in the wellness division. Um, so with wellness, because it is so new, what the parameters are for that particular category, I don't think have like. I mean, there's the the set of rules that are, I guess, there are the official rules. But I feel like with every major bodybuilding show, the person that they pick in wellness to be the overall looks completely different from past overall winners. So there really isn't a lot of consistency there. And I think um, just because the division is so new, they're still trying to figure out exactly what that's going to look like. Yeah. So what 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 would like constitute somebody in like in the the wellness category? So the the short version of it is um, like a more athletic bottom. So like disproportionately larger legs and glutes to the upper body. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they never skip leg day, basically. No. <laughs> never. Nope. So it, and it's more of like an athletic look. So they're not looking for them to be like extremely dry or vascular or have a lot of um, like striations, but they still want them to be well conditioned. Okay. Yeah. And does is it? for men or is it for women or is it for both uh it's a female only category okay all right all right so yeah so if it's uh strictly more on the women's side so they can have like you know more on the leg side Mm -hmm. and so they could be tone up head to toe though right yes but they're not looking for um like the conditioning or the dryness that you would see in like figure women's physique Okay, all right. So they're not walking out there looking like She-Hulk or anything. Um, they are. I mean, oh, the women are jacked, but I mean, it's not like female bodybuilding. Right. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. No. 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 But anyway, so that's cool. So now, is that something you yourself would ever consider competing in? Um, so I've done bodybuilding before. Um, okay. I competed five times. Um, I started in women's figure, and then I went up to women's physique because I was a little bit too big for the figure category. Mm. And actually, I am going to be competing in April in wellness, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, in, a which, uh, in which uh, competition? Uh, what show am I doing? Which show, yeah. Um, It's The Clash, and it's going to be down in Orlando, Florida. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing I've noticed down here is that a lot of these competitions are pretty popular down here in the south and i imagine more so in florida because everybody's out on the beach they want to look beach body ready all the time so what better place to hold it then absolutely yeah and you know with the the tennessee competitions like i i've seen the competition here like i've gone to a bunch of the shows i'm i'm like friends with a lot of women that compete and i just i really want to see what it's like outside of tennessee just from a competition standpoint yeah you just want to be like the new kid on the block. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows what you're capable exactly. of. And uh, the the fact that I'm competing has actually been like pretty hush-hush. Um, and it's not like it's a big secret. I'm just not one to like overly talk about the things that I'm doing personally as far as like my fitness goes. Um, so again, like I want my focus to to really be on my clients. So like my plan originally, which like there's a couple people that know that I'm doing it, but I haven't like posted on social media or anything like that. But I guess it's out of the bag now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a few 80 here, million but... <laughs> more people who know about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like my plan was just to keep my head down, do what I need to do, keep a sweatshirt on in the gym so people can't see what I'm doing. Um, and then just pop up in Florida, 
ready ah. to go. <laughs> I've always noticed that a lot of people at the gym they like to wear like extra, extra, extra large mm-hmm. clothing. To as a me, sometimes it's you know just for you know aesthetics, but yeah. other times there's a, like an ulterior motive. Like they don't want if they their competition works out at the same gym, they don't want yeah. them to see exactly what they're working on. I mean, if you look at um, you know the the guys that are going to the Olympia, um, especially on the bodybuilding side, the women don't do this quite as much. I found, but like they they hide their physique, right? Because they don't want the other guys to see what they're bringing to the stage. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to show their cards. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, like, uh oh. Yep. Uh, no, I got to work out legs. No, I got to, like, you know, work on back and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's, it's very, it can be sneaky. People don't even realize how sneaky people are when yeah. it comes to, like, just by wearing, like, your choice of hoodie. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yep. No, it's all uh, thought out. <laughs> yeah, nice. But I'm I'm always, like, as many clothes as possible in the gym anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm not a, um, like, short sports bra type of girl at all. No, no Lululemons or anything like that? No. <laughs> I'm a... Uh, Black leggings and a hoodie usually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more. Yeah, I'm usually just like basketball shorts. I, I think I've worn like the same pair of New Balance for like three years, mm-hmm. and just free T-shirts I've gotten from over the years. And yep. yeah, at some point I just kind of cut the sleeves off, and that's it. Because oh. I don't know. Like, do you ever? A lot of people kind of end up splurging on these kind of high-end athlete athleisure wear. Yeah, I think that's the term for it. Yeah, athleisure. Yeah, yeah, like what there's um I mean, they have some good stuff like L, like a young LA or a dark sport. Mm-hmm. But people pay big money just for just to look a certain yeah. way. The the gym has definitely turned into just a little mini fashion show. Yeah. It's not really my thing. Yeah, yeah, cuz yeah, usually when I see people who kind of spend all that money on that, on those clothes, I'm like, "Okay, but you know, could save that money for some protein or Absolutely. some sops or something." <laughs> like, you know, the, the you know, it seems like they want more the image. Yes. Again, that's where social media might exactly. come into play. That, uh, and it's sad because that's what, like, the fitness culture has turned into, is it's less about being healthy and more about just looking ripped, getting there in the most unhealthy way possible, and then throwing expensive clothes on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about this before, how health should be a top priority. I mean, like, you know, like for me, like I was more, I leaned more towards bodybuilding side, but health was like, you know, a beneficial side effect Absolutely. of what happened. Because like, you know, I've already lost 30 pounds. Congratulations. Thank you. And, um, and like, you know, like my back doesn't hurt as much. I mean, I, like, you know, much like anybody, you know, sciatica still sure. happens, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're doing deadlifts or whatever. And, um, and I need to invest in a belt. I have lots of thoughts on belts. Such as? Well, let me ask you a question. Why mm. do you feel like you need one? Well, because like uh, uh, pre, I've had previous times, not recently, but years ago, where I was doing uh, deadlifts and my posture was off. So it, I kind of have a curl. I had a curl in my back when I did it, and I felt a little pink. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was like, uh-oh. And, yeah, just trying to sit up, sit down. It was like, you know, the worst physical pain Next to getting tattooed in my armpit. And <laughs> do you have a tattoo in your armpit? Yep. Oh, ouch. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, speaking of things that, like, you know, when you're in that amount of pain, time just slows down. Mm-hmm. That's all you can think yep. of. So I figured I used to have a belt. I end up losing it. I don't know what happened to it. But whenever I would use that, I feel a little more comfortable because uh, it would kind of, I would think it would catch or at least cushion 
any sort of errors I would have in my posture, if that makes sense. No? No, not at all. So the weight belt is actually meant to support what your body is already doing naturally. So if you don't have good form, a belt is not going to do anything. Really? So really what a weight belt is, is just something for you to brace against. That's all it is. But if you don't know how to properly brace your core, it's not going to do anything. All right, yeah, because I always thought the belt was meant to, like, you know, keep all my insides together. Mm -mm. So in case something wants to, like, you know, jut out, it's like, nope, you're staying right here. Yeah. not to say, I'm not saying that belts are bad and people shouldn't wear belts, but I think people invest in belts and use them because they think it's going to fix all their problems when really you need to work on core strength, you need to work on your lifting technique, and then add the belt in later to help to support all of the good things that you're already doing. Okay, so in the case of sciatica, mm -hmm. that's usually, I would imagine, the cause of poor posture and poor form. Mm -hmm. But you're, what you're saying is it's possible to have good form and good posture without relying on a belt. Absolutely. Interesting. Yes. So, again, the belt is only going to reinforce what you're already doing. Now, do you use a belt? I only use a belt when I'm at 87% or above. Okay. All right. So 86 and under. You're like, and I, under got <laughs> I got this. I got this. And I'll never use belts on accessory movements. I'll only use it on a barbell squat or a barbell deadlift. Oh, so with no other assistance or nope. anything like that? Mm -mm. Nice. Nope. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, because I, I never actually thought about that yeah. before. So, I mean, yeah, there have been times where I felt like it did have good posture, but if I up the weight, I'm like, yeah, I would definitely need a belt for that. Yeah, and again, a lot of that just goes back to like the core strength and how you're engaging your core mm. because your your core is really what's supporting the spine, right? And when you brace, you are actually pushing out, whereas most people like pull in, okay. right? So when you are bracing properly and you're pushing your core outward, the belt is just there as like a wall to push against. Now, what are your thoughts on like the use of like knee pads and elbow pads and wrist wraps and? Are you talking about like knee sleeves and things? Yeah. Um, I always suggest to train with as little equipment as possible for as long as possible. So during my preps for meets, I never use knee sleeves. I'll use them at competition, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of wrist wraps. Um, and and when you say wrist wraps, are you talking about just the wraps, or are you talking about straps? Just the wraps. Just the wraps. Um, I mean, if you have like some tendon issues, it, it creates a little bit of pressure there, so it could feel better. So, I mean, with, with that, if it makes your wrist feel better, just just do it. Um, but with the knee sleeves, the reason why I don't use them when I'm in a prep and why I use them in competition, if you get used to wearing them, it's not going to feel any different when you're trying to hit 105%, right? Hmm. So knee sleeves are going to add a little bit of bounce at the bottom. But that only is going to make a difference if you're not used to having that bounce. So I won't use a single knee sleeve until I step on a platform. And then I feel like I got a spring under me. Interesting. Yeah, because I would think that equipment like that would all, almost feel like a, like a security blanket mm -hmm. of some sort. Absolutely. So if you were to remove all that, you're like, oh. I, I'm a huge advocate of learning to lift properly and lift correctly before you add anything else in. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Now, of course, like people with injuries and stuff like that, I'm not talking about anything like that, but just your, your average person who's learning to lift should not be reliant on equipment to aid in the lift. You need to learn how to lift first and then add that in later. Yeah, because you don't want to think that the equipment's doing all the work for it, you. It's not. It, it's really not. It isn't. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know because a lot of people will 
feel like they're relying on that stuff in order to get the job done. Whereas in reality, you have to, it's it's you know you're entirely on your own with that. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times it's mental. That too, there is a huge mental component mm-hmm. behind all that. Yeah. Because physically, you might be there all there, but mentally, like if you walk up to that bar and you're not in the right headspace, then you know, for lack of a better word, you're gonna shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like uh, so, for you, like whenever you um walk up to the bar are you usually listen to music or are you do you just go up there just you know put your brain on mute are you talking yeah. about in a meet setting or in a meet or even just during training uh during training i'm usually listening to music yeah um sometimes i'll listen to podcasts too if like it's not a really intense session okay um so podcasts i'll tend to listen to like once i get into the accessory movements and then when i'm um like up actually up at the bar and training with a barbell it tends to be like you know more gangster type music i guess right. you could say all right. um but a little like harder stuff oh that's good yeah. all right so when you say podcast are you do you mean like one of those like serial killer podcasts or <laughs> um all I'm those a huge, motivational ones um i'm a i'm a big fan of serial killer documentaries oh shit oh shit um but i don't necessarily listen to the podcast <laughs> all right but, um I'll, i listen to more of like business podcasts entrepreneurship stuff like that you know what that that's it's so weird because i was talking with the yasser about this last time is that a lot of athletes and a lot of people in the fitness world are also very savvy when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. You have to be. Yeah, you have to be because what we pretty much uh, conclude is that, you know, it's good use of your time and a lot of the work you have to put in, you end up getting back. Mm-hmm. And like uh, like with me, I would love to like learn more about investing in stocks, the S&P 500 and all that. I don't know if I have the wherewithal to get into real estate, though. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty big undertaking. It kind of is. Now, what about so? What kind of like a uh, like business wise? Where what kind of things would you like to do? So, with my, I have a lot of goals for my own business. So, I am really trying to create a brand and almost have coaching be on the side, eventually. All right, that's not where I'm at right now, but I'm working to get there. Um, so I really want to make myself like a, a face of powerlifting. And a voice within powerlifting. And one of one of the ways that I'm kind of going into that space is taking my podcast into commentary. Um, so I'm actually commentating my very first professional powerlifting meet in two weeks in Chicago. Oh, and I'm nice. very excited about that. Yeah. It's the, the Surge Pro. Um, it will be live streamed. So I'll make sure to send the links out so y'all can watch. But hell yes. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. Now, do you already have like a bunch of like, you know, like tags or anything like that ready to go <laughs> in case like, uh, or do you have like hoping like some sort of catchphrase will catch on? So I'm, I'm right now I'm doing all my research on the athletes, um, and just having like a few little talking points. Um, quite a few of them I actually have lined up for podcast interviews, um, have done like Instagram lives and stuff with them too. So just kind of like building that rapport ahead of time. Um, but both days I'm commentating, um, for both days of the, the meet, one is going to be the men's and then the second day is the, the female. And I have someone that I'm co-commentating with both days. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah, so I figure you probably want to be a little more in-depth and detailed with your commentary instead of just like, oh, no, he did not get it. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> we're going to be diving in deep. I mean, yeah. anyone who's talked to me about powerlifting to any degree knows that I just like completely nerd out on that. And I can talk for a very long time about it. Yeah, you know, yeah again, it goes into what we talk about being unprepared. Right. So you're going to be 100% fully prepared. Oh, Oh, that's awesome. That's just how I roll with everything. Nice. <laughs> Overprepared all the time. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, 
it's been almost an hour. This just kind of flew by, flew by. didn't it? Yeah. Awesome. So before we go, let everybody know how can they find you, social media, websites, yep. what you're doing. Obviously, you got the big uh, meet coming up. Mm -hmm. So where else can people find you? Yep. So my website is AshleyVargasCoaching.com. Um, and all of my Instagram handles are Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of that are going to be on the website up in the top right. Um, so you can find me there. Fantastic. Well, Ashley, thank you for making it. Thank you for coming on. It's thank been a you. pleasure. Best of luck with all your future competitions. Appreciate that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, this is Hot Takes and Protein Shakes. You can find me on social media on Instagram at Tony Tell Joke. And you can find more extra content on my TikTok at Tony Tell Jokes with an S. So other than that, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.